We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind and Allstate. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Welcome. Let's go to the Sooner Sports Podcast with Toby Rowland. Look, look at how dapper you look. Look at you. I like the white pullover. I already got a stain on it. On the pullover? Yeah. Can you believe that? What'd you spill? I have no idea. Well, probably coffee. Coffee? But there's something in the middle of the back mm. of my white pullover. I don't know how I got it. So... It's off to the dry cleaners after this. They today, should Toby. never give us white shirts or pullovers. I, I have a closet full of white shirts <laughs> yeah. that have never been worn because a it you know does a little something under here and b something gets spilled on it nonstop. So hey, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. I'm Chris Plank. T Row, man, I, I it just wrapping up the Lincoln Rally Press Conference show. Has Toby Rowland become an analytics guy? I noticed you dropping the. Uh, mm-hmm. What pressure per snap stat for the yeah. Oklahoma defense? Uh, something like that. I saw it on Twitter. Oh, okay. So I cannot take uh, you know full credit, and if I can find it again here real fast, I'll quote it exactly. Um, but uh, it was yeah. Here it is. Top ten defenses in pressure rate. Ah. Okay. OU's number three, forty-one point eight percent of snaps this year. Uh, wow. Notre Dame four, Ohio State seven, Clemson eight. That's kind of the company they're hanging out in. So nice. uh, I like I like numbers. I don't know if if I manage the baseball team, I don't think I would go completely on analytics, but I like to look at the stats. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. Boy, what a night. How about that play right there? Chris, one of the, uh, the we're watching the David Aguevu pick. One of the best defensive plays in the history of Owen Field right there. I heard you say that on your radio show the other day, and 
I don't think I can disagree. I'm not saying it's the best, right? But it's it's up there. It's in the conversation. I, I we were just playing leading into Coach Riley's presser today, David Aguebu from our post game. Oh. And gosh, Ronnie Perkins was everywhere, wasn't he? But David said, you know, there was some controversy whether or not, you know, because the ball did hit the ground, but if you control the ball, it's still a catch. So there was a little bit of controversy around it, but that play was incredible from David Aguebu, who started, I think that's his second straight game that he started. Yeah. At the inside back, I don't, I don't know. We'll have to ask Ted if he was the mic or the will. But you, Ronnie Perkins, Toby, that's next level what he's been able to do since he's come back. You know, you said it, and I've used it a bazillion times. Not just – I mean, the crowd was incredible on Saturday night. But everyone in those Crimson Classic jerseys, when they came out on the field, they were shot out of a cannon on Saturday night. No one more so than Ronnie Perkins. You know, it's almost Thanksgiving, and there's going to be an uncle or an aunt – there always is every year who shows up in a bad mood, right? right? Could be you. Could I don't know. But Ronnie Perkins showed up in a bad mood on Saturday night, <laughs> and he was ready to throw people around. And you talk, I think he's the most disruptive player in this conference, and he was unquestionably the most disruptive guy on that field on Saturday night. Unblockable, violence at the point of attack, and that attitude right there, that energy and attitude and trash talk and there's a fine line I got you but that bleeds over to that entire defense you can see it they have taken on his attitude his bad mood aggressive cocky uh, swagger that he arrives at the stadium with and I think it is one of the reasons not all the reason but it's one of the reasons they're playing at such a high level right now you know, uh, Craig Moran, who is not with us today, uh, Cord is based, Michael Cord is basically doing everything. Everything right. today. MVP. Uh, MVP today. But uh, Craig Moran just texted me and said he was like Miles Garrett out there. I heard Teddy, you know, it's hard to make a of comparison. Of course he's making a Cleveland Browns right, right. comparison. T Teddy mentioned on our flagship franchise this week that he kind of Khalil Mack-esque. You know, you start getting Stephen Wright on Facebook. He's a beast and a force. I mean, I, I don't know what his next level positioning is Toby but you're starting to draw those kind of comparisons and uh, be a game plan wrecker like he is it's it's pretty special well, what I Ronnie mean, Perkins is doing yeah it is and and here's where it pays off one he's tough to defend so he makes plays like he did on Saturday but so West Virginia and Baylor after that and whoever after that goes and puts the game film on of the Oklahoma State game and guess what they're gonna do with their offensive front they got to find a way to block that guy. So he's going to get two guys. He's going to get running back help. He's going to get cowboy back help or tight end or whatever. And everything for Isaiah Thomas and Nick Benito and Perry on Winfrey and whoever else comes off the bench comes so much easier because he's attracting all of the eyeballs. When a quarterback comes to the line of scrimmage, gets under center or is in the shotgun, He's definitely looking around to see where number seven is. There's no doubt. And not only is Ronnie Perkins going to go make plays, but he's also going to, because of all that attention, allow his teammates to make more play. He already is. Yeah, and we, we get the unique perspective of being down on the sidelines. What he adds to keep guys up, 
in other and I, and this hasn't been an issue this year. I don't think that this is a team where you ever have to worry about having guys who hang their head or are you down. saying Ronnie Perkins is not a quiet leader? Ronnie Perkins yeah. is not a quiet leader. That's, That's right. exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. You you yeah. get him and Perry on Winfrey, and then add Brian Osamoa to that mix, and Pat Fields is a fairly vocal guy. So is Buki. T. Rowe, this is one of the more upbeat. Uh, in-your-face sidelines that I think you could have for this Sooner defense. And I think that play reflects on the field. You know, we spent a lot of time to the first, you know, four or five games of the season asking, when will Ronnie Perkins be back? When When's he going to get an opportunity? Now, as you see the impact he's been able to make, for fans, you understand why so many people sure. were asking because he is, he is a major difference maker. And you hit it on the head, Toby. It opens up stuff for everybody. And then in that room it becomes more competitive. You, uh, Nick Benito, we saw on yeah. Saturday night, you know, with John Michael Terry not being there, Brendan Walker getting more of an opportunity. So it just opens up everything defensively and creates even more competition in that outside backers room. And you know what? It all starts in the middle, right? It all starts with having a beast up front. Watch Perrion Winfrey chase that down from behind. We can talk about Ronnie Perkins all we want and can talk about him for the 30 minutes of this podcast. But T-Row, big number eight, that single-digit defensive tackle is pretty special. He's getting it done. He's having a nice year. He's got a really high ceiling, too. And when you pair him up front with seven, when you pair seven and eight together, it's a dangerous combination. So I just think across the board, uh, the defense and what they've done the last four and a half games or so is so exciting. You know, I mean, it's what you have hoped for around here for a long, long time. And there was a question coming into the Oklahoma State game. Can, you know, have they done it against legitimate offenses or not? Well, Oklahoma State is not as powerful as they've been in recent years, but they got some big time home run hitters on that offense. And uh, to do what they did Saturday night, I think just confirmed in a lot of people's eyes that this Oklahoma defense is for real. I think they're for real. Uh, I was talking to Teddy yesterday. He feels like they're playing like one of the top 10 defenses in the country right now. Wow. Um, and that's a mouthful because it was not very long at all, uh, long ago at all that we were hoping they'd get top 50 or top 25, you know? And to be playing like a top 10 defense right now, when you pair that with how dangerous they are on the offensive side of the ball and the recruiting that they're doing on both sides of the ball right now as well, especially defensively, well, you cannot help but be excited about the rest of this season and about the next few years. You know, what I dig, and then listen, we got a lot of stuff to talk about with the offense too, but what I dig is when I'm watching these highlights, it seems like it's a different player every time that catches your eye. Here's Benito going with the receiver and then also making the play on the quarterback. Look, there's Ronnie, whom we've been talking about. Benito's there. Isaiah Thomas is there. You see Trey Norwood with his hand in the passing lane. Watch, this is going to be what Asamoah come up with a Guaybu. And I, I, my point, Toby, you're, you're seeing a, yeah. a lot of different players that are making plays here. And that's the Alex Grinch speed D mindset. They want 22 guys, you know, to where they feel confident. There's not really a starting at 11 and a backup 11. There's 22 guys that could play at any time. And, you know, you, you think about last year. You know, Jaden Davis wasn't available on Saturday night. No, nor was John Michael Terry. Those two guys are out, and what happens? A freshman slides in and DJ Graham into that rotation at corner and plays well. We mentioned Brennan Walker and Marcus Stripling having nice games. I mean, that's just – that depth is building, and it's going to get better with, like you said, what they're doing on the recruiting front. They've been able to play a bunch of guys this year all year long, you know, on that defensive side of the ball. 
the rotations on the defensive line have gone 10-11 deep at times. Uh, even in the secondary, they've been play, able to play a lot of bodies. And this is the payoff for that. You've, you're late in the season now. You've got, one, guys with fresh legs because they haven't had to be on the field as much. And two, you've got a bunch of guys who have, you, you have gained trust in and they have gained confidence in themselves because they've been able to get on the field and, and contribute. Not just play in trash time, but get out there and contribute. I, I like this on our Facebook Live feed from Bob Wilner. He says, I've been waiting seemingly forever to see our Sooner defense play the way they are playing now. Nasty, great attitude change. Loving it. Teddy Lehman's looking forward to games now, Toby. He's excited to be up there watching this defense. I mean, they're flying around all over the place. I uh, I can't wait till Saturday. I know we're going to talk about West Virginia. Sure. But the last time we were in Morgantown, okay, two years ago, there were 113 <laughs> combined points scored. 113 points between the two teams. And now they have the number one and number two defenses in the Big 12. So, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I'm not telling you it's going to be necessarily 17 to 10. I'm eager to see if the West Virginia defense can hold up against what Oklahoma is doing offensively right now. But they're better. Without a doubt, West Virginia has improved significantly defensively. We've been talking about how Oklahoma has done the same. So, the flavor of this game is so vastly different than it has been the last Four times we visited Morgantown. We've seen a 50 to 49. We saw 59 56 last year. This one feels like a game that's going to be played, you know, you know, 31 10, 31 17, somewhere in that area, which is wild. It is, isn't it? And, and weird things always seem to happen in Morgantown when we go anyway. Outside of you and I taking a tram with a bunch of already fired up fans one year to the stadium, that was in. But you had, what, the scoop and score last time we were yeah, there. Two of them. There was yeah, snow. Right. You had the, the Tavon Austin, uh, Landry Jones, Kenny Stills game. I mean, Toby, this is always, I mean, undefeated against them last time that Sooners fell to West Virginia. It was in the Fiesta Bowl. And the time before that, Jeff Hostetler was a quarterback of West Virginia, for goodness sakes. It's been 8-0 against him in Big 12 play. Trivia but question for you. Where things happen. Go ahead. The last time West Virginia beat Oklahoma. Uh-huh. Who scored the first points of the game? Last time West Virginia beat Oklahoma. So that, the 08 Fiesta Bowl. Wasn't it their random fullback that did it for West Virginia? Pat McAfee. Field goal by Pat McAfee was the first point of the game. He was their kick, their field goal kicker and their punter back then. How about that? How about that trivia question? Media huh? superstar. Worthless hey, by, knowledge. Be, be the, by the way, you mentioned West Virginia as a team. They had arguably the worst rushing attack in college football last year. Yeah. I think it was the lowest yards per carry that Neil Brown ever had as a head coach. And with Letty Brown, what he's doing, their offensive line is getting better. They've got uh, they've got true freshmen that are starting on their offensive line, and they're getting confident. I mean, this is you said it. This is a this is one heck of a challenge for Oklahoma yeah. on Saturday night. Yeah, and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to oversell it. No, it's just the the stats are what the stats are. They have been twice the team at home than they've been on the road this year. They're unbeaten at home. They're winless on the road. So they've been much more formidable at uh, Milan Pushker Stadium. Their running attack has been good. It's been yeah. really good. Letty Brown is knocking on the door of 1,000 yards already. Can he run against Oklahoma? I don't know. But so far this year, it has been really good. And you got the Stills brothers up front on defense who are NFL players. Those guys are good. 
they have always been a hard-hitting team. I mean, yeah. West Virginia is not afraid to smack you. So can they slow down Spencer Rattler in this Oklahoma offense? I don't know. But so far this year, they've been the number one defense in the Big 12. So you just look at the numbers. You look at how West Virginia's played at home. Primetime game. Chance for them to make a statement. Looks like it could be a, a, a fun one Saturday night. Uh, Scott Allen asks, Toby, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't West Virginia have the number one pass defense in the Big 12? Yeah. I predict a heavy dose of Ramondre Stevenson. I think they're pretty, I think they're pretty good across the board defensively. Well, maybe. I, I, yes, they are. I, I think what makes the Oklahoma offense, though, go, and, and Lincoln doesn't as much go into a game and say, let me look at the defense, and that's going to dictate what I do on offense. He's got a balanced attack. And that makes it difficult to stop. So I think you're going to see a whole lot of Ramondre Stevenson and TJ Pledger. And you're going to see a whole lot of Spencer Rattler putting it in the air with Theo Weiss and Marvin Mims and, and whatever H-backs are available. Mikey <laughs> Henderson and Jeremiah Hall. And uh, I don't think you're going to see OU be you know, forced into running the ball because West Virginia is good at defending the pass. They believe in what they do and they're going to try to throw the ball around a little bit. Since we're on the offense... Uh, let's let's focus first on Spencer Rattler and Chad McKee wrapped up the press conference show with the the stat what at 14 touchdowns one pick yeah. since the benching against Texas and what's crazy is the one pick was against Kansas uh, but I you talk about a quarterback who's been efficient I talked to Theo Weese about it in the press conference show he is just he, he's he's making all the right decisions and he's the guy that watched that move he's a guy that is not afraid to kind of get in guys' faces and keep them fired up. You see 17 to 24, I think it was like four or five in the second half. We went through five second half. Oklahoma only threw five second half passes on Saturday. But, man, his receivers are making plays, and Coach Riley's just put him in great situations. You know how we talk about some quarterbacks that have happy feet in the pocket? They right. just kind of naturally look nervous back there, like they're expecting a pass rush to cave in on them at, every, at any moment. Rattler looks so calm right now so comfortable back there really all season but especially since coming back against Texas there is an ease to this kid's play look at his feet I mean he's just calm there's an ease to his play for a redshirt freshman that is really remarkable I mean we know his arm talent we see his arm talent we see his athleticism on that touchdown run but just his general demeanor in going about and orchestrating this high-powered offense is very impressive taking what the defense has given him too I think you know coaches talked about it last or early in this season there might have been times where he's trying to do a little bit too much but uh, he, he's he's not forcing things looks very comfortable I mean even look at that throw look at that throw between two defenders I think the Godfather is coming up here in just a second but I mean it's I'm going to make you an offer Hey, you can't refuse. I failed you guys miserably. Now, at least I found out that it was called the Godfather. But I, I was laughing so hard, and Lincoln was chuckling a little bit, too, when he told me the name of it, that I failed to ask the follow-up question, which is, why the Godfather, right? Uh -huh. I mean, by the way, that's a great throw, too, to Theo Weiss. That's on fourth down, by the way. But what a great name for a play. And then to find out to go back that they had run it before and it was against LSU in the Peach Bowl last year. It's this guy in Lincoln Riley, limitless ideas in his head for what this offense can do schematically. So you got to find out the why behind the All name right. Godfather for we me. We got tonight, Lincoln Riley show tonight. We'll try to get to the bottom of it. Um, I, I uh, He was on point Saturday night. He was dialed in. He had a great game plan. 
and he was hot. Oh, and there I, you go. Lincoln Riley gets hot as a play caller sometimes, and he was hot on Saturday night. We're watching it right now. The direct snap to Ramondre. Rattler fakes the reverse pitch and then tucks it like he's going to run it. Not a very good fake on the I'm going to run it. <laughs> but then, see, I think it's the I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse because he puts the corner right there in his spot. What are you going to do? Ah. You're going to stay with Jeremiah Hall or you're going to come get me? And he came to get Rattler, and when he did, he released the bullfrog. And you know what happens when you release the bullfrog. Yeah, you ain't stopping no. him. You can't stop the ball no, frog. You can bullfrog. Only you can only contain. hope to contain it. Look at Jeremiah Hall. By the way, my spotlight on Saturday night. Well done by you. Does that count as a good spotlight if it's the only catch he makes and it's a touchdown? I have found that you guys find all kinds of ways to justify your spotlights. <laughs> so let's say yes. <laughs> oh, man, I like it. Okay. Uh, Good question on Twitter because we're kind of running out of time here. And since Lincoln Riley addressed this today, Vance asked a question, Toby, about Buki. Here's his question. Let's get into it. He writes, why do you think Buki cannot seem to keep his emotions in check? He makes a play every game. However, it seems like he costs his team with a lot of ridiculous penalties. It's frustrating. I thought, you know, and Kirk Street was critical of him on the broadcast. It seems as if. Uh, because it's the only thing that we can find to complain about from Saturday night, you know, you have to have something to complain about. So from that perspective, T-Row, I think what Lincoln Riley said today was fantastic. For those of you that are listening on the podcast platform, you'll be able to hear it as soon as we wrap up. But it, it's a guy that's a leader for this team, and they're working, you know, on the emotional side of things for him. But, you know, more often than not, he's out there making plays. There, he runs hot, and what he did Saturday night cost him a touchdown. You know, they were off the field, and – Oklahoma State, it's the only touchdown they scored all night. So uh, he deserved to be criticized for that. Sure. And it's not the only time when he has had a, a penalty of emotion that has cost his team. And, and there's you got to be able to get that in check. That being said, we're just praising Ronnie Perkins for the emotion he played <laughs> with. You want these guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball, to play with a lot of emotion. But you've got to know where the line is, and you can't cross it. You can't cost your team. I agree with what Lincoln said. If you really know Buki and that locker room and this team, you would have an entirely different perception of him than when you only see him on Saturdays. Unfortunately, we don't. We don't get to see you know, behind the curtain of what it's like at practice and everything. So he has, he's had some good moments for this team this year. He's played well a lot of times. Had a great knockdown to prevent a touchdown, actually, on Saturday night at the five-yard line late in that game. But, you know, he's got to do himself a favor and quit making those penalties of emotion and just keep making the good plays. It's okay to be emotional, but don't pass the line where it costs your team. Two more quick ones, and we'll get out of here on the Sooner Sports Podcast Live, Toby. We talked about the offense. We haven't really touched too terribly much on Ramondre from Saturday night in this running game in general. You saw the highlight of Spencer Rattler keeping it, but, man, this team might have struggled running the football at times right. during the second quarter, but about midway through the third quarter, they found another level. This offensive line took over, and so did Ramondre. That's what happens when you stay after it. You know, you see a lot of times when early in a game you're not having su success running the ball, you'll see coaches give up on it. That's what happens when you stay after it. You know, you figure things out, and you wear down a defensive line. We've seen it a lot in the fourth quarters around here in recent years, <laughs> whether it's Ramondre Stevenson this year or Trey Sermon, or Trey Sermon or Kennedy Brooks or Rodney Anderson, uh, Samaj P. Ryan made a killing in the fourth quarter around here. 
When you lean on Bill Bedenboe's boys for three quarters in the fourth quarter, inevitably it pays off. And it did again on Saturday. They did not have very impressive rushing stats at all through three quarters. But they got pinned down on that one-yard line and said, go to work, big boy. And Ramondre started eating. And, uh, boy, he had a big fourth quarter and 141 yards. And you're dealing with that, and you're dealing with Mikey Henderson coming at you and all those big bodies up front. And then you got you mix in the quickness of T.J. Pledger, and they're a lot to contend with. Toby? It was impressive. I think is in one word. Look at that. Uh, by game, every game, it seems to get better. I mean, a, a little bit of a dip, but you you saw the numbers from Ramondre on Saturday night: 4.3 yards per carry, which is right around where you want to be, which is the average, by the way, for the team so far this season. After some struggles early, and look at, at the that. left hand column, though. Look at me run. Yes. How many times they're running it a game? 55, 55 carries against Texas. 45 TCU. 41 against Oklahoma State. There is a section in the game notes that Mike House distributes every week that says uh, the air raid is a misnomer. And it's right. I mean, when yeah. when Lincoln Riley arrived, that's the tag he was given. This is a Mike Leach disciple air raid offense. That's not what Oklahoma is. Are they good at passing the ball? Yes. But they have been excellent at running the football power running game since Lincoln arrived and, and even before. You ready for tomorrow? Basketball debut? I, get, I cannot wait. Get, get, uh, now, first, 6.30 Saturday night, Oklahoma, West Virginia. Yeah. We'll be on the air with a 4.30 pregame show. But, Toby, big one tomorrow night, Oklahoma opening up against one of, one of Lon Kruger's protégés, right? This should be fun against UTSA. Steve Hinson and the Roadrunners in town. Basketball season is finally here. Bit of a delayed start. But we got a doubleheader in the Lloyd Noble Center tomorrow. Sherry Cole Sooners at noon against Houston. And Lon Kruger's men at 7 o'clock against UTSA. UTSA has one of the highest scoring backcourts in America. Wow. So this will be a pretty good test out of the blocks. I think OU is really deep this year. I think Lon's going to play a bunch of guys. He hinted earlier in the week that he may... Uh, throw them out there in shifts early in the year, kind of like hockey teams, just to see exactly, you know, what lineups work best together. But uh, I can't wait. And then Saturday, you know, they're out in Orlando to take on Johnny Dawkins and UCF, right. and then the Florida Gators come to town. So here we go. It's basketball season. Can't wait. Hey, uh, Toby, have a great Thanksgiving with the family, you man. You too, Chris. We'll uh, see you tomorrow night with the Oklahoma basketball game. Then, of course, on Saturday, Oklahoma, West Virginia. Everyone have a great Thanksgiving. And until next week, Boomer Sooner, everybody. All right, thanks, Chris. Uh, good to have everybody. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to, to everybody out there. Hope everybody has a great week, great weekend. Um, big week for us, obviously, getting ready to, to head up to Morgantown to go play a, a really, really fine West Virginia team. I'll give – Coach Brown and his staff, a lot of credit. You know, these guys have really, really played some quality ball. Um, you know, their losses have been close games. They've obviously won some, some big games. They've played extremely well uh, at home this year. Uh, that's, you know, winning every one of the home games uh, and, and winning several of them by, you know, by, by pretty wide margins. You know, beat a good Kansas State team there pretty well, um, as well as TCU here in the last few weeks. So, a really good football team, obviously playing well on both sides of the ball. Uh, defense has been a, a strength for them all year. Offensively, they're moving the ball well. Quarterback's playing well. Been able to run it and throw it both. So, um, 
you know, give them a lot of credit, doing a great job. It'll be a, it's always, you know, tough going to Morgantown um, and, and trying to come out of there with the win. Well, we, we know that from obviously past experience. So um, excited for the week. Excited, you know, again, with the momentum of our team and some of the things that, that I think we're improving on. Uh, still, you know, go back and watch the film with the team and a lot of, lot of, lot of positive, obviously, to build on after the, the, the win against Oklahoma State. But still, I mean, just still too many errors. Uh, still a whole lot that's got to got to get better and got to get better quick uh, because, you know, everybody – Everybody doesn't stay the same here at the end, and and uh, and so we're going to have to do much better. So we're hopefully we can get that done this week. Clean up a lot of things we need to clean up, and then get ready to go play a really good football team. Okay, we'll get to questions here. We'll start with Jason Kersey from the Athletic, and then go to Ryan Aber. Lincoln, you, you talked there about uh, needing to improve a lot of things, and and I think after a game like you guys had the other day, I mean, what what are you looking at that that still needs to be better? in your mind where are you guys still lacking oh man i mean penalties number one uh i thought some things from a defensive execution standpoint we missed a couple just you know easy simple fits that are day one stuff for us that shouldn't be happening this late uh, offensively we really had about a i mean about an entire quarter of the game that we were just poor um kind of across the board i mean just uh uh, missed some things in the run game, missed some things in, in uh, certainly in the throw game, just kind of kind of musical chairs as far as, you know, errors across the board. Um, you know, had a couple errors as well in special teams. We're lucky that, you know, didn't get exposed on. So um, just, you know, the notion after a game like that is everybody thinks, well, everything's perfect and this and that, and it's, it's certainly far from perfect. So I get there was a lot of good. I mean, I'm not, I'm not discounting that, but the, the, flip side of it is you put on the good play tape and the bad play tape and yeah, the good play stuff's exciting and it's it's really really good and uh the bad play tape uh is poor and there's way too much of it and so we we got a we got our work cut out for us to try to clean that up thanks Lincoln. Mm -hmm. ryan Aber of the oklahoman and then eric bailey yeah lincoln when you look back uh a couple years ago when you were uh, making the defensive coordinator hire, how much did Alex, Alex's success at Washington State specifically with the building a defense uh, uh, with that, that kind of offense on the other side play into at least the initial consideration of him? And uh, just what are some of the challenges of, of building a good defense when you play offense the way that y'all do? Um, you know, schematically it didn't figure in much, uh, just because, I mean, we're, we're so different than what Washington state was doing. I mean, there, I think there's challenges in both. I mean, you know, the challenges, you know, if you're, you know, a de defensive coordinator, you know, for Mike, obviously the great thing is you get to see all kinds of pass, every pass thing known to man. The negative is, is you never get to defend a run play, you know, which is kind of important. And so, uh, so I, the scheme wasn't a big deal to me, but I, I know how Mike runs it, and Mike gives a lot of latitude to the defensive coordinator to to really take over and really um, not just be a play caller, uh, but to be a you know someone that has a big hand in the culture and and uh, 
Um, so I, I, knowing, you know, kind of what I said all along with you guys, that I thought the most important change for us was from a culture standpoint, that was the first thing that struck me. And then the second thing was, I, you know, I, I appreciated, you know, what he did schematically. And, you know, we had good talks about that. And I think we were, you know, what I was hoping for our, our defense at Oklahoma to become schematically and then what he already did and what he believed in whether it's Oklahoma or anywhere else, fit so much. And so it just, you know, it, it, like I said, it was honestly one of the easier hires that I've had to make. Appreciate it, Lincoln. Mm -hmm. yeah, let's go to Eric Bailey of the Tulsa World and then Joe Bettner. Lincoln, when we discuss how well your football team has started games, a lot of times the offense uh, gets emphasized. But what about the way the defense has started football games? They've only allowed 17 first quarter points in eight games. How much does that really set the tone for a game with the way the defense starts? Oh, it absolutely does. I mean, just the, the energy those guys have been playing with. And, and uh, you know, a lot of times in a, in a game, you, you know, you're getting some of the best shots maybe that an offense may have or, or seeing new things. And, and for us to go in there and play as well as we have and be able to control people early in games has, has been huge for momentum. And, uh, you know, we've been able to separate a lot in those early quarters because of, of – you know, because of the team and because of everybody doing it. Um, but we have. And I give our guys a lot of credit. They've, they've come out, and, and it's not just emotion. I mean, everybody thinks we play early, you know, well early in a game. It's I'm fired up or, you know, this or that. And yeah, that's part of it. But, I mean, you know, this is pretty high-level college football. I mean, most people are pretty fired up to play games. Uh, so, you know, this comes down to being able to execute early on, and, and we've done that at a, at a high level so far. But, obviously, we have a big challenge here this week. Uh, against this group. Thank you, Lincoln. Joe Bettner, Norman Transcript, and then Bob Crisbillo. Uh, speaking on the strength of the West Virginia defense, I'm curious just how big of a you know, challenge they pose to you guys as far as you know, statistically the best defense in the Big 12. What, what do they do so well, and what does your offense got to do to, I guess, combat that? Well, they do a lot of things well. I mean, their D-line's very good. Uh, you know, without a doubt, one of the top D lines that we've played. Uh, I mean, no question about it. So, you know, some really talented, good players up there. Um, you know, the scheme's good. They, they're good on the back end. I mean, you know, a lot of, a lot of similarities to last week and that there's just not a ton of weaknesses. You don't turn on the film and say, well, they're really good at this, but they're really bad at that. I mean, there's, there's not really anything they're really bad at. And so, uh, um, you know, and then they've been able to make a lot of a lot of big plays. They've been able to get pressure on the quarterback without, um, you know, just having to load up and just blitz everybody to get it done. Um, you know, they're good in the back end. They do, they've done a really nice job schematically. Um, so I mean, they're every part of them is challenging. Hey, let's go to Bob uh, Bob Frisbillo with Sooner Scoop, and then John Hoover. Yeah, Lincoln, I remember the uh, summer camp where D, uh, DJ Graham was there and he got the offer. He had just played at receiver the entire time, but offered in the secondary. How tough was it to convince him to go to defense, and how pleased are you with the way that he played, especially in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, we knew we liked DJ as, a, as an athlete, and, and we knew at the time that either way – um, that either way it played out that, you know, we thought he was going to have a chance to, to come help our program and help our team. And, uh, yeah, I don't know that it was ever a convincing. I just think we, you know, continually had talks with, with DJ and his family as, as the recruitment process went on. And, 
even even after he decided to come to OU, we, we continued to have those talks, and I think it was centered around, you know, we thought he had a good skill set for both, but it was centered around also, too, where we thought he maybe had a chance to make an impact the quickest. And, uh, um, you know, kind of started to lock into the DB as the we kind of got to the end of the recruitment process. And then, you know, as he's gotten here and, and improved, I think, you know, I certainly – you know, would believe that's going to be his future. You know, and so he's he's uh, he's doing some good things. He's playing well, um, getting more confident in the schemes. He's he's, he's very talented, and uh, you you see some of that talent start to show up on the field because of uh, just again, I think the confidence, um, being able to stay on the field, stay on the practice field, um, improving, and then he's winning. He's played aggressive in games. I mean, he's made some good plays on the ball. Um, he's had some really physical tackles. Um, so. Uh, he's done a nice job for us so far, and certainly a kid that you know, has a chance to be a really good player. John Hoover, SI Sooners, and then Chandler Engelbrecht. Hey, Lincoln, a, a follow-up for you on West Virginia's defense. If you think back to the summer, this is a team that had to replace their defensive coordinator right before the season. They're in a pandemic, obviously, like everybody else. Uh, I think they had to shut it down for a, a little while. All that going into it, how do you think they've been able to keep it together defensive-wise with the, with the new coordinators, new scheme, whatever it is? And, and what challenges, uh, how do you kind of, what do you need to do to maybe overcome, overcome some of the challenges that they present? Yeah, I mean, I think you got to give their staff a lot of credit. You know, obviously, Coach Brown at the, at the, at the head of that and, and then the, the two new coordinators have taken over, obviously, you know, with the rest of their defensive staff done a fabulous job. I mean, they really have. And uh, and then you've got to imagine, uh, again, I've been in there with them, but you got to imagine their kids have done a really good job too of, of buying into these these new guys. And, and they've had some, you know, really good experienced players coming back that, that, you know, are playing well for them. So, you know, they've – looks like they hadn't used it as a crutch. It looks like, looks like they've continued to just battle through it. So, you know, the – Again, a lot of respect, a lot of credit. Um, yeah, I think a lot like last week. I mean, I think it's going to come down to you know really good execution. I mean, they've they've got good players and a good scheme. You know, we've, we've we feel like we have the same thing, and so um, not going to be a lot of gifts out there. Going to have to, you know, going to have to you know try to try to control their front because they they certainly are are, are very disruptive and uh, again it's it's just going to be a game of high execution. I mean, that's just. That's that's what it is when a good group goes against a good group. So it'll be a, a, a fun challenge. All right, thank you. Hey, Chandler Engelbrecht, OU Daily, and then James Hale. Hey, Coach. I just had a quick question about team morale. As if playing through a global pandemic wasn't hard enough, now you guys are going to be playing through practice this week as a holiday is going on and a lot of people are back home with their families. Um, so I'm just curious, what's your message of togetherness from your team this week? Yeah, I mean, I think we're a little used to it right by now that, you know, we just we can't we can't live our normal lives. Um, and I know that nobody can in this pandemic or maybe maybe some still are. Um, but ours is ours in some ways is a little bit different, you know, for our guys. They're not like the average college kid that that, you know, is out, you know, living just like normal, like like it appears most are. Um, and uh, so I. I think our guys have gotten used to that. Yeah, is it hard not going home or being able to do the things you want to for Thanksgiving, going to a staff member's home, all that? It is, but at the same time, we're also pretty used to playing 
right around here. So normally they have just an afternoon off and, you know, we're back at it, ready to, you know, travel and go play the very next day anyway. So I don't know that a ton. I, I, I do think just the message though from the team would just the, there, there is a, you know, despite all the tough things, you know, our team and just people in general have gone through this year that we all can't forget how much that we still have to be thankful for. And one thing we're thankful for is being able to play this game and that these games haven't gotten taken away from us. And, and we've been able to all do what we love, even though it's been a little bit different. So we're, we're trying to, you know, approach it that way and not just be the poor me, poor us, pandemic, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's you know what, there's life's still pretty good. And we're just, we're getting to play football and coach football, which is, which is pretty good. Hey, James Hale, Barry F, and then Barry Trammell. You know, Lincoln, you said uh, in the post game that every week you, you're trying to get a gauge whether or not you can play or not or whatever. Yet, you know, you guys were out four or five key players, and yet you still wanted to play the game and did play the game very well. You know, Mike Leach even told him that he would play with less, and I know you and Mike are real close. He didn't have 43 guys available, but he still played against Georgia. Uh, the effort by your team to always try to play, you wanting to play, I think is commendable. And, uh, you got to be pretty happy with your guys, no matter what they face. They want to go play the game. Yeah, I mean, that's just a little bit how we're wired. I mean, I, you know, if we feel like we can play and play safely, we're going to play. Um, I, I just think decisions like that are, I would say decisions like that are, are bigger than just one year. Um, you know, a couple of those early games this year, we could have not played. And, you could maybe come back at the end of this year and say, well, you know what, maybe a result to one of those games would have been different had we not done it. But I just think the message that sends to your team is just – and this, you know, here at OU, have nothing to do with me, but all the great players and coaches here in the past. I mean, this has been about competitiveness and edge and toughness. And I just – I don't know. I, th I think if you, if you can play and all of a sudden you, you pull it, um, I just don't know that you're, you know, really embracing kind of what this place has always been about and what's made this program special for years and years and years. So, you know, and I'm not saying, I mean, who knows? I'm not saying we won't get to a point where it's not safe for us to play games here. I don't know. We have been close. But, uh, you know, if, if if we feel like we can play and play safely, then we're going to play. And uh, that's just, we decided it was going to be like that from the beginning and we were going to ride with it um, no matter what. And, and And we have done that. Thanks, Lincoln. Mm -hmm. Barry Trammell, the Oklahoman, and then Garrett Emick. Yeah, Lincoln, um, all these years when you're replacing a great quarterback and we do it in offense, you always say, well, we expect to be as good as ever. We didn't really talk about it this offseason. We were too busy talking about the coronavirus. But I would assume you would have said the same thing. You're playing much better this last month. How close is this offense to being sort of the – Oklahoma standard that you guys have set? Oh, I mean, I, I, I think we're, we're, we're close. Yeah, we're close. We're, uh, and we've had some moments this year where we've been, you know, really, really good. And at times this year and, and more times here as of late, you know, we've done some things even better than those groups have done in the past. So, but we're, uh, yeah, we're close. This one, this one again is just so tough to gauge because I've I've just never coached in a year, nor have anybody else. I'm not obviously not just central to us, but I've never coached in a year where we've had this many different lineups. I mean, it's just it's every week, every day, something's different, and and so, 
you know, if you put those same groups in this situation, in this pandemic, all that's gone on, um, how does it look? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I think, uh, but I do think we're getting to the point where we're, we can be pretty explosive and we can do some things well. And, and, uh, but you know, we, we still have times where our execution is not where it needs to be. And, you know, that's kind of, I think the, you know, kind of the final part of this. I mean, that's that's the key to, to putting this all together and playing the way we're capable of for more extended periods of time. And that's, you know, here at the end, that's what we're going to have to do. What are those, you say, some things doing better than past groups? What are you doing better than you've ever done? Oh, there's some things, uh, just, I think some small things schematically. I don't think maybe any just big picture stuff, um, but we've uh, we, we've had just some areas of our game that are, you know, whether it's just kind of just progression year in and year out. Um, uh, sometimes it's some small schematic, some schematic things that maybe we're doing better than we've done in the past. So I feel like we've, we, we've got some strengths that maybe necessarily the groups before didn't have as much. Um, uh, so, I mean, I, I realize those are some pretty good groups, um, but there's, there's things I can point to as I go watch us schematically and say, hey, you know what? We run this route better than we used to. We throw this ball better than we used to. We we run this run play better than we used to. I mean, there's there's starting to be more of that. We're like, oh, you know, that we're starting to do some some things that aren't easy to do. We're starting to do pretty well and do it more often, you know, which is exciting. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm excited about the group. I mean, I think we got a chance to close and close really well. Gary Neiman and Tulsa World, and then Dean Blevins. Lincoln, you have Ramondre and uh, and Ronnie Perkins both back and both impacting, which which is great for them and great for you. Trajan is is still sort of in purgatory with regard to his his deal. Now that the other two are back, is your job and Dennis's job in terms of keeping him engaged and, and keeping him positive through everything he's going through? Is it is it more difficult when the other two are are not just able to play but but really helping you out? Yeah, I mean, it, it is. And I hate to keep making it a story just because, I mean, these kids have been drugged through enough, in my opinion. But, I mean, I – yeah, I mean, it's it's hard for any player. You know, when you're out, you know, whether it's an injury or, you know, or, or something else, I mean, it's just – you know, these guys love the game so much. And, and uh, they, they, you know, majority of the guys in here have a strong passion for playing. And, uh, you know, when it's taken away from them, it's – it's uh, it is. It is difficult. So, you know, it's – Obviously, it'd be a lot easier if I could, you know, sit here and walk you guys and everybody through the, the. I gotta watch my words here, but just what this entire process has looked like, and um, I will one day though, and uh, so we're, you know, Trajan's got to hang in there. You know, he's he's going to be a really really good football player. Um, you know, he's had some tough breaks not go his way. He's just he's got to hang in there, and of course that's that's absolutely our job to. Bring them along because the light is, you know, we're getting to the, you kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. So we just got to just hang on all the way through and, and then uh, get back on track. Thanks very much. Mm -hmm. Hey, let's go to Brandon Drum, OU Insider, and then Keegan Renault. I'm hey, sorry, I, I, I skipped Dean, didn't I? Yes. I'm sorry, go ahead, Dean, then we'll go to Brandon Drum. Okay. Hey, Lincoln. Um, Want want to get your thoughts on these unsportsmanlike penalties or celebration or, or whatever they're called? They're they're killing you at times, as you you well know. As a head coach, and a lot of them are on defense, Buki and 
you know, Perkins the other night, it, it appeared, had several that maybe if you're on the road, they're called, but very, very close. As a head coach, um, what can you do? What are you doing to make sure that you, you're just not going to be losing a game because of that? Um, there's a balance, um, you know, you know, you go in there and play non-aggressive and soft and with no attitude, you're going to get your brains beat in. Um, so you have to play that way, but you got to, but there's a fine line. And, uh, so, um, you know, we, we address them like we do, you know, any other mistake in the game. I mean, it's, you know, getting a 15 yard penalty is no different than, you know, dropping a touchdown pass, missing a blitz, busting a coverage. I mean, it's it's you're either doing stuff to help the team or you're doing stuff to not. And uh, so there's there's you know nothing that a player does or a coach for that matter uh, in a football game that's not graded. And and the very simplest form of it is, did this help us win or did this hurt us? And if it helped us, we're going to point it out in a positive way. If it hurt us, then we are going to point it out in a negative way, and and we're going to correct it. And so, any mistake that we ever make on the field is is always going to be looked at. It there's nowhere to hide for our guys, and we're we're very transparent on what they do well, what they don't. And we're very transparent on what we as coaches do well and what we don't. And uh, you know, our 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 deal here is every person's got to own. Everybody wants to own the things they do well. You're going to own the things you don't do well, too, every person in this program. And uh, there's nobody that's exempt from that. Thanks, Coach. Mm -hmm. Okay, time for two more. Brandon Drum, OU Insider, and then Keegan Renault. I will say, real quick, too, I will say this on that last question because I know a lot's been made of it. And I think I said this the other day, and I don't think it got written about any – uh, I know Buki's taking some grief, and uh, there's no question things he's got to do better. I would also say too, uh, and hopefully you guys will you know choose to write this as well. I don't know that we have a bigger team player on this team than that guy. I mean that guy is the most for his teammates, staying late with young guys, most energetic, helping coach up young guys. I mean just he brings more to this than than what the people on the outside realize so uh while there's absolutely things he's got to correct and do better i love having that kid here he makes us better all the time and we will be a worse program the day that he's that he's not here thanks coach brandon yeah like in uh a couple of those past interferences and this is just conference-wide you know it seems like it's more ticky-tacky than it is in most other conferences when you watch how much does that, I don't want to say, affect a mindset of a defensive back when they're trying to play the way they're taught, physical, you know, man-to-man, and they get called for something that seems so pedestrian at times? Uh, does that – and then when you go into bowl games or play out of conference, does that does that affect you guys any? Um, I mean, I think it's just part of the nature of playing aggressive. And I think, you know, one, I mean, I think it's two things for our guys. One, we've got to understand and adapt to how things are being called. Um, uh, you know, continue to play smarter, keep find that line of aggressiveness, but also play smarter. Um, and then I think the, I think the second part of it is if a flag does come, you know, we got to play through it and we, we can't let it take away from who we are and our aggressiveness and our mentality. And we do, we got to understand that. And I thought, I thought Trey Brown was a great example of that the other night. He had a couple there in the first half that were, you know, close. I mean, they were, you know, they were tough calls that didn't go his way. And he came out in the second half and played his 
tail off and uh, really did the rest of the game too. So that showed, you know, some really good maturity and how he handled it. Um, yeah. And it's tough. I mean, I get it. It's a tough call for officials. You know, it's uh it's such a, you know, it's kind of a tough um, when you get guys going back and forth, it's such a fine line. And, you know, I know Greg Burks, our, our head of officials, his, his message to our officials has been, you know, they got to be a hundred percent, you know, they would rather, you know, miss one, then throw one that actually didn't happen. And so they're, uh, you know, they're working to get better just like we are. Um, so uh, you got to play through it. I mean, that's ball. And, uh, but we're, we're, we're not going to let anything take away our aggressiveness and, and the way we want to play in the secondary. Okay, final question today from Keegan Rennell, Sooners Wire. Lincoln, every game with West Virginia so far has been the upper 60s, 80s, one went over 100, um, obviously in terms of total points. And obviously that probably is not going to be the case um, this weekend. And just this conference in general, I know you've asked, you've been asked about this a lot, but it seems like the narrative nationally has really stopped um, in terms of the Big 12 defenses. Do you, do you sense that? And in, in terms of just the defenses in the Big 12, can you attribute that to anything, whether it's better players, better coaching, um, whether whatever it may be? Oh, man, I, I, it's a big picture question. I mean, the answer is, I don't know that there's one answer for it. I mean, but I, you have to say what the defenses across the league have done this year, especially considering that I think, I think us in Kansas were the only people that didn't return a starting quarterback. I think that's right. And so, especially considering that, you know, it, you got to say it's impressive. I mean, it is. I, you know, the things I've seen. I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think really anybody's just bad on defense in the league right now. It's kind of like what we said about offenses for years. I mean, I think there's a lot of very good defenses, and even the ones that are maybe not in the top half of the league are still very solid. And uh, there is, there's a lot of good players. There's a lot of good young defensive players in this league right now. Um, a lot of good defensive front uh, players in this league right now. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, and, and then some of it too may be just, you know, how many, there's been a little bit of coaching turnover in this league over the last, last you know, couple of years for sure. And, and sometimes it takes an offense a little bit of time to get going as well. Been some new defensive schemes come in. So, I don't know, the answer is probably somewhere in there in all the middle of that. But, but no doubt, it's been an impressive year for the league defensively. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of really quality defenses and I would, wouldn't disagree if we said maybe more than in some years past. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Riverwind, home to a luxury hotel, fine dining, and never-ending rewards. Riverwind is still the one. And Allstate, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Sooner Sports Network.